This podcast is brought to you by the Village of Bedford Park, your home for business. Over 450 businesses strong and growing with a safe, reliable Lake Michigan water supply. Visit VOBPBiz.com and bring your business home to the Village of Bedford Park. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Now, the WBBM Noon Business Hour. It's 12.03 and you made it to Friday afternoon. February 23rd. Good afternoon. Thanks for joining us on the Noon Business Hour. I'm Rob Hart. Parents can help lead the way when it comes to having their children achieve a goal of home ownership. We'll cover that in our next segment. But right now, the company Intuitive Machines has become the first private firm to land a spacecraft on the moon. Let's put the achievement in perspective with the help of David Pogue, tech and science writer and correspondent for CBS Sunday Morning in New York. David, thank you for joining us. So welcome back to WBB. I know we spoke uh, last summer as the uh, world was searching for the Titan submersible. And it's nice to be talking under uh, somewhat uh, more happier circumstances today about uh, this this triumph by uh, private space flight and private engineering landing Odysseus on the moon, the first American spacecraft to land on the moon since Apollo 17 in 1972. What does this mean for intuitive machines and what does this mean for the future of space travel? I mean, it, it's exciting enough that, you know, we, we landed something on the moon. It's really hard to do. I mean, the ones that all crash don't make as many headlines, but Israel sent one up and it crashed. Japan sent one up and it crashed. An American company called Astronomics sent one up and it crashed. It's hard. Only uh, the Russians, China, and we have succeeded. India and Japan just succeeded in the last couple of months. But the big news is, as you say, this is a private company. It's part of this massive NASA program um, called CLPS, where they hire commercial, private, small companies to carry NASA's scientific experiments up there at a tenth the, the cost and probably the time that it would have taken NASA. I mean, we all know that SpaceX is now carrying our astronauts to the space station instead of NASA. So it's the same kind of thing. So they they spent $118 million that they gave to intuitive intuitive machines instead of spending a billion taxpayer dollars on their own rocket. I was talking with uh, your CBS News colleague, Peter King, who covers uh, NASA and space launches. And he says, thanks to uh, private spaceflight companies like SpaceX, the Kennedy Space Center is busier today with launches than it ever has been in its history. So uh, NASA may be taking a back seat to private enterprise as far as uh, spaceflight is concerned. But there is a lot happening these days with low Earth orbit missions and the ongoing effort to return American uh, astronauts to the moon. Right. And, and to be fair to NASA, NASA is still in charge of, the, of most of these things. They're, they're just not building the actual rocket anymore. They're outsourcing that, which is this crazy idea that, that somebody had you know, 10 years ago, and, and it's now paying off in, in a big way. I mean, NASA's larger plan for the moon, they want to put people 
on the moon by 2026. That's in two or three years. And then establish a moon base by 2030 as practice for getting to Mars by 2040. So NASA actually has a master plan. And the instruments that this intuitive machines carried up, they are part of this larger program. They're, they're, they're instruments that are going to help us set up a GPS system on the moon. They're going to help measure how much dust gets kicked up when we land on the moon, stuff like that. You know, th this is just an amazing accomplishment, as you said, just as how uh, they sent a lander to Mars a couple of years ago, and they can now send a helicopter up on Mars via remote control. But it, it doesn't seem like this is breaking through to the public. Uh, do you need do you need a little more Buck Rogers, a little more showmanship uh, for this to, uh, to, to actually uh, sink in with the American people? It's a good point. I mean, these have all been robots. And robots cost a fraction as much. They're not nearly as risky because, of course, if something goes wrong, oh, it's just a machine. But it, the last time people, the masses, were really on the edges of their seat was when human astronauts were involved. So that will come. But from an intellectual point of view, it makes infinite sense to start with robots to check things out, to iron out the kinks before we risk human lives. David Pogue, tech and science writer, correspondent for CBS Sunday Morning in New York. Thank you for joining us today. Odysseus is uh, sending back some telemetry, and we should see some pictures from the moon uh, maybe later today for tomorrow. So uh, look forward to that. This is the WBBM Noon Business Hour. Multiple factors can impact the path toward home ownership, including your parents. Let's talk about the generational effect with Steve Kurtz, Chicago-based real estate and housing expert. Steve, thank you for for joining us today. And this seems like uh, uh, a lesson uh, that has two key components. And the first one, before we even talk about financial help from your parents in getting a down payment, is that uh, your parents are, are your first example. You learn about home ownership from them. Uh, that's right, Rob. Uh, that's, you know, you grew up in a home, in a homeowning uh, situation. And so you're very familiar with that through your childhood, probably you lived in uh, most suburban or city neighborhoods. The people who surrounded you might have been homeowners as well and their children. So it, it's more ingrained into you than if you grew up in a renting household. It's just, you know, psychologically, we often seek out what's most familiar and comforting. And, you know, if you grew up that way, that's probably what you're going to aspire to as you grow up. And speaking of that psychological component, up until very recently, there was a great deal of debate about uh, how millennial uh, home ownership rates were lagging other generations at a similar time. And is that a function of uh, a lot of uh, millennials watching their parents struggle with home ownership during the financial crisis? Well, that's certainly part of it is people are more reluctant today, having gone through the pandemic and the ups and downs of the stock market. But it's, it's also, you know, partly the cost of homeownership has increased quite a bit. Mortgage rates are much higher than they've been for most of the last 20 years. And it's, it's just much more difficult to put together those down payments. Um, not a moonshot for a lot of people, but it 
that's why I think you're looking at folks turning to their parents for help. And then speaking of that, uh, how many down payments for first-time home buyers? I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm guessing there must be some research or numbers on this. Uh, on a percentage basis, how many down pay- payments for first-time home buyers come from the bank of mom and dad? Well, we we know for sure that you know gifts. The, a gift is uh, for a first-time homebuyer is, is a big part of it. Anywhere from 25 to 35% of first-time buyers have some sort of gift that they are using as a down payment. You can assume that for most of those folks, that's a bank of mom and dad coming to the rescue. And then if you as a parent want to set your kids up uh, and be the bank of mom and dad when the time comes and you want to start saving or set up some sort of financial instrument to make sure that's available to them, uh, what's the best way to go about doing that? What type of account is the most common form of, uh, of building up that down payment money so you can give it to your kids down the road? Well, obviously, you can save for any specific goal in any number of ways. But I think, you know, given that homeownership, uh, homeowner households have more net worth uh, to begin with, a lot of parents turn right where they started to their home equity. And a home equity line of credit or home equity cash out loan uh, often is a good source of funds if you want to lend them or gift, gift them to your children. Steve Kurtz, Chicago-based real estate and housing expert. Thank you for joining us today. Coming up next, more employers are helping out workers with child care. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. There's good news for workers with young kids. More employers are offering resources for child care. We're joined by Michelle Reisdorf, Chicago jobs expert with Robert Half in Chicago. Uh, Michelle, thanks for joining us today. And even though the job market has cooled off somewhat since the uh, height of the Great resignation a couple of years ago. It appears the arms race for talent is still ongoing. Absolutely. Um, you know, the demand for talent is still very high when you consider the amount of job openings we have. And even in a complex market where maybe it feels like, you know, there's more interviews, it's moving a little slower, there is very much still high demand. And then uh, when we're talking about uh, child care, it is a dilemma that every family faces. Um, do you send your child to daycare? Are you fortunate enough to have a parent or a friend come over and take care of your kids while you go to work? Or does it make more economic sense just to stay home? So how are these uh, child care benefits uh, being administered by an employer? Well, you know, I think um, the article I reviewed today, definitely there are companies that are out there looking at childcare benefits again. But even in that space, there's shortages of, you know, daycare providers available, et cetera, for companies to partner with. And I think the key thing that companies have to understand and being really competitive in today's marketplace for top talent is that you have to be creative with your benefits to figure out how to not only attract that talent, but retain that talent from going elsewhere. And so if partnering with a childcare solution is not an option, there are certainly other ways to look at how can you be creative to help parents with situations like this. Where are we at uh, legislatively or as far as the tax code is concerned in providing a uh, pre-tax uh, child care stipend? Is that, is that that's something that's, that's presently available? Is that in the HR, uh, in the HR quiver? You know, I I don't know. I'm not the expert there, so I'd be hesitant to comment in that space, um, you know, what the rules are. I just know that companies are looking at 
every creative benefit they possibly can um, to attract talent. And then um, when, when talking about uh, like trying to find a child care provider that they can team up with, like, this is the official you know, nanny of, of, of Northrop Grumman, that kind of thing. Um, are, are we getting to a point, though, where maybe uh, you could have uh, on-site child care services? I mean, there's a lot of available office space these days. <laughs> that is true. You know, we have certainly worked with clients over the years that have had been able to provide some sort of on-site child care. But, you know, in the world of hybrid and in still some cases, very few, but some cases remote work, I don't know that companies are, you know, necessarily looking at that as an option. And I think different things that companies could do instead is, you know, look at the flexibility of their schedules or that hybrid environment which gives parents some flexibility where maybe they could work from home a couple of days, be on site a couple of days, and that helps balance all of those child care expenses or, you know, time away from their children, time at home, et cetera. And then very quickly, Michelle, uh, a, lot of, uh, a lot of managers I know want to have their employees back in the office five days a week. Is child care the number one concern as to why people want to stay on that hybrid schedule where they're home Monday and Friday? No, you know, I, I, even myself as a manager, what I find is my employees just want flexibility for various reasons, you know, throughout their life. It might be something that they're involved in socially. It might be a volunteer group that they support. It might be childcare. It might be parental care. But just really having that flexibility to have a say or a choice to be able to work with me on your schedule, I'd certainly hate losing a great staff member because I wasn't open to, you know, being somewhat flexible. Michelle Reisdorf, Chicago jobs expert, Robert Half in Chicago. Thank you for joining us today. Still ahead in Entrepreneur Friday, celebrating a Chicago family's syrup recipe. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. 
Good afternoon, I'm Rob Hart. These are the top stories on News Radio WBBM. The U.S. imposes hundreds of new sanctions against Russian entities following the death of opposition leader Alexei Navalny. Charges are recommended against a fundraising arm of the Trump campaign in Wisconsin. It's Entrepreneur Friday using a secret family recipe to build a syrup empire. And the latest trend in weddings will take you back to a groovier time. WBBM Business. The markets are higher. The Dow is up 113 points. The Nasdaq is up 8. The S&P 500 is up 11. 50 degrees right now in Chicago under mostly sunny skies at 1231. Topping our news at the half hour. A day after meeting with the widow of the late Russian opposition leader Alexei Navalny, President Biden is announcing a total of 500 new sanctions on Russian-linked persons and entities. CBS News correspondent Weijia Jiang is at the White House. But even though we should mention there have already been more than 4,000 sanctions uh, placed on Russia by the U.S. since it invaded Ukraine. They do believe this largest, most significant uh, tranche that was announced today is going to have a lasting impact. Tomorrow marks the two-year anniversary of the Russian invasion of Ukraine. A bipartisan ethics panel in Wisconsin has recommended that felony charges be filed against one of Donald Trump's fundraising arms. The Wisconsin Ethics Commission case centers on Trump's Save America committee and its role in a 2022 state primary race. Other Republicans are also named in a scheme the committee says was meant to circumvent campaign finance laws in an effort to take down a Republican lawmaker who had turned against the former president. It's 12.32. As the noon business hour continues, the markets are higher today. Let's welcome in Gary Kultbaum, President Kultbaum Capital Management in Orlando, Florida. Find him online at GaryK.com. Gary, thank you for joining us today. The Dow trading above 39,000 points. Uh, is this the part of the week where the uh, executives at NVIDIA send a note to the rest of the stock market saying, you're welcome? Oh, they'll be uh, popping the uh, champagne corks in the uh boardroom at NVIDIA. Uh, But, you know, there's been a lot of talk about whether it's hype and whether it's a bubble. All I can tell you is four quarters ago, NVIDIA did $7 billion in revenues. This ending quarter was $22 billion. They tripled their revenues over four quarters. That is, I, I can't begin to use the words to describe it. And that's why you see the stock price doing what it's doing as well as others in that space of AI. It's not just that. It was Arm Holdings, which raised numbers big time. Super Micro raised numbers. So it is game on, and let's hope it lasts a while. I mean, they are in the right place. They have the right tech at the right time. They were well positioned for the beginning of a revolution. I mean, they certainly earned it. But going forward, obviously, the competition is going to catch up with them sooner or later. They are going to develop their own technology, their own chips that will rival NVIDIA, NVIDIA's. So what do you do at that point? I mean, you you, you cannot uh, uh, double your valuation from $1 trillion to true, true $2 trillion over the course of a year and keep that pace going. Yeah, it, it gets tougher. But if you think about this, if the numbers they're talking about as far as the whole AI thingamabob is going to be, and NVIDIA goes from, let's eight, say, 80% of the biz down to 50 it's still gargantuan, and there still may be room to grow. I mean, arguably, you can say, hey, valuations are up there. But I can tell you, I've been doing this a while. Uh, valuations will go higher than anybody would ever believe on the upside. And of course, in bad markets, it does the opposite uh, to the downside. 
Uh, all we can tell you right now is uh, institutions, that's the big institutional crowd, the mutual funds, hedge funds, they don't have enough stock. At least that's what they believe. And that's why you're seeing it bid up at this juncture. And the, the, the AI revolution that is uh, touching all facets of life and all facets of business is in itself an inflation fighter, which is why the market likes it so much, because it allows workers to become more, more productive and, and earn those raises they got in the last couple of years. Great productivity potentially brings down inflation. If inflation comes down, interest rates stay uh, lower. If interest rates stay lower, it's, it's no longer a headwind uh, versus uh, uh, and you get more of a tailwind. And maybe the Fed, which I really don't care too much about, uh, they can start lowering rates to start playing catch up. So, again, when we really don't know where this ends up. All we know is the applications that we're seeing at this juncture in medical, just for starters, uh, is magnificent. And the potential is beyond the beyond. And, and again, let's just hope because uh, what's made uh, the future over the last 30 years has been technological and uh, advancements and medical discoveries uh, letting us live longer also. So again, uh, game on and uh, let's hope it continues. Gary Kulpbaum, President Kulpbaum Capital Management in Orlando, Florida. Thank you for joining us today. Find him online at GaryK.com. Coming up next in Entrepreneur Friday, a Chicago businesswoman with a sweet secret for success. Money Talks as the WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. It's Entrepreneur Friday and this week's segment begins with a secret family recipe and ends with a success Chicago area business. Welcome in Michelle Hoskins, founder and CEO of Michelle Foods in South Holland. Michelle, thank you for joining us today. Your business has been around for 40 years. Michelle Foods began in 1984, but the story of the family recipe that uh, holds up Michelle Foods dates back to the 1800s with your great-great-grandmother who was a slave. And, And how did this recipe come together? Hi, Rob. Good afternoon. Thank you for having me. So the the recipe really started like in the late 1800s. My great-great-great-grandmother, her name was America Washington, stayed on as a freed slave, as a cook to the family that she was raised with. And they did not like molasses. So she came up with a recipe made out of honey, churn, butter, and cream. And she passed this recipe down to the third daughter in each generation. So my mom was the third daughter and I was the only daughter. So when I re- had my third daughter, I received the recipe in the early 80s. So that, that's, a, that's a very interesting tradition. Was there any explanation as to why the third daughter received the recipe? Well, when we go back, we think about maybe the third daughter was a favorite, and then we just adopted that, uh, that tradition. So uh, we, we really don't know. But I think I, I kind of surmise that it might have been the fact that I might have been maybe the baby standing around, you know, being with her and, and, and having an interest in cooking. So it's it's 1984 and, and you're a single mom and and you decide to take the plunge and uh, go into business for yourself and start your own business. Uh, I mean, take me back to that time. I mean, what how much courage, how much uh, uh, self-confidence did you have to develop before you actually uh, went out on your own? 
Well, what really got me thinking about this is that I had read in the 80s what's going to be the decade of the woman, and women were going to emerge as CEOs and executives of companies. And I was going through divorce. I had three small children. I was like, wow, I would really like to be part of that movement, and how do I do that? And so after I thought about it for a while, I'm like, well, I've already done the college thing, and I'm working. So I decided to become my own CEO of my own company, and then I thought about what am I going to you know, make or do? And then I saw this recipe that my mother had just given me because my third daughter had been born and she was toddling around. And I decided to see if I could put uh, the honey cream on the market. And that's how the dream started. Now, with, with this recipe being handed down through the family and in such a specific way, did you have to talk to your relatives and get your permission, get their permission and say, look, I want to take this recipe to market? Well, at first I had to sneak around because everyone kind of thought it's a secret and don't tell anyone. And if you give it to Michelle, she probably will. And so I was kind of like low key with it. And then when I brought it up to my family, they were like, Michelle, that's never going to work. How are you going to take this recipe and get it on the shelves? They, they couldn't see the vision and no one really saw the vision. So it wasn't a lot of support starting out because no one really believed it could happen. And I had the belief that anything that mind could conceive could manifest if I put some hard work behind it. And so I started this quest, just kind of sneaking around, working part time and doing it in the evening. And finally, once I uh, got it to a point where it was formulated and I had this 55 gallon drum delivered to my mom's basement, then they saw that, well, wait, she's got something here. And so then they kind of accepted the idea after I went through a lot of different uh, avenues to figure out how to get it formulated and uh, put in a bottle. I was going to say, how much uh, syrup testing went on and, uh, and and who were your testers? My daughters, myself, and uh, my family. After a while, after I had got the bottle and came up with a label and we were hand packing it, they would come down and taste it. And then when I got it into the first grocery store, they were like, well, this might work. And so then it kind of became, well, it's here. You know, she's doing something. So they saw the effort turn into reality. And then everyone kind of got behind me and became very, very supportive. Today, you're in nearly 7,000 stores, Walmart, Target, Kroger, Mariano's, and Jewel Osco. But what was the first grocery store that carried your syrup? The first grocery store that carried my syrup was Jewel Osco. Uh, I went out to Melrose Park. I didn't have an appointment. I walked in, and the lady told me that personnel was upstairs. Uh, I said I was here for a, a buyer's meeting, and she said, well, what is your name? I said, Michelle, who's the name of the product? I said, Michelle Serp, and I guess your company is Michelle. I said, it's Michelle Foods. And I went in, and I met with a buyer, and he had never seen a young African-American woman walk in, CEO of a company with a product. And he thought about it. He said, you know what, I'm going to give you a try. And he put me on the shelves in 1984, and we've been there 40 years past. We're still there, and every Jew in Osco. Well, what an amazing story. And uh, yeah, it's just a matter of uh, if you want to do it, do it. Michelle Hoskins, founder and CEO of Michelle Foods in South Holland. Thank you for joining us today. Fridays this month, we celebrate Black History Month with the Noon Business Hours. We shine a light on inspiring black entrepreneurs, their groundbreaking businesses, and how their work is impacting communities and neighborhoods across Chicago. Listen each week this month to discover the diverse landscape of black-owned businesses making a difference. Learn more by clicking the banner at the top of our website 
website, WBBMNewsRadio.com. You're listening to the WBBM Noon Business Hour. It's a trip back in time on the wedding dance floor. Let's talk about the throwback trend with Nicole Palacios, executive editor of Inside Weddings and InsideWeddings.com in Los Angeles. Nicole, thank you for joining us today. And is this a real trend towards 70s-style weddings, or is this something that's been dreamed up of the lobbyists of the Powder Blue Tuxedo Association? Well, it's definitely a trend. Disco balls are in, and any type of mirrored accents are definitely a fun, but also a way to keep things elegant throughout the wedding day. Now, how how does a modern 70s-style wedding look? Um, Like I said, lots of disco balls, mirrored accents, such as tabletops. Um, you also want to be aware of like your cake style, invitation design, the color palette, and the types of flowers. Those are all elements that should be researched so the details are thoughtful and coordinate well with the time period. And and, and I would imagine you know one of the, the things that really uh, makes this attractive is that uh, the music from that decade is mass appeal. Like you you could be uh, you could have grown up during that time. That could have been uh, uh, the music of your life. But even if you're a kid, even if you're like ten years old, you know how to do the YMCA. Absolutely, you're correct. A live band who can blend modern hits with funky old school favorites is sure to be a hit with friends and family. And if you love the dancing on Saturday Night Fever, then you might want to consider hiring professional dancers for entertainment and to help your guests get on the dance floor for a night full of revelry. Um, and who doesn't love to see some good John Travolta moves? Well, is this also, in a way, is this kind of a, a response to uh, weddings that have just grown bigger and grander and more expensive uh, because you're looking for Instagrammable moments as opposed to just throwing out a good party? This is just a return to simplicity? Um, that, that could be um, an element of it. But I think that um, brides and grooms are just looking for something that's impactful, stylish, so, like for brides, um, their dresses might have billowing sleeves, laces. Or def- those are definitely 70s style staples. And as you mentioned, a blue tuxedo. Um, the men should have a, a thick lapel and, and something that you know that friends and family are going to remember. And then, uh, when did this really take off? I mean, is this a very recent trend? Is this something that came out of you know 2021, 22? Uh, when did this start to show up? When when did you, when did like wedding planners start hearing about it? several months it started with like the mirror tabletops that was a way for candlelight um to kind of bounce off with the candlelight and it looks like there's a lot more candles a lot more flowers having that mirrored effect and then disco balls started to come into play and it really set off with that and and wedding planners are so creative and they just took off with the ideas and are, are they are our brides also looking for a 70s style and 70s inspired wedding dresses absolutely absolutely lace um, and also hippie-style flower crowns, anything that sits on the head that's jeweled, that comes down on the forehead, or, or just like I said, a, a very floral crown. Th- those are statement pieces that everyone should remember. And, and also photography. we got to um, try to use some film photography for portraits. It's a great idea because it's a keepsake of the big day and will help illustrate the theme of the day. Nicole Palacios, Executive Director Inside Weddings in Los Angeles. Thanks for joining us today. If you missed any part of the show, just go to our stream. Skip back to the time you want. There's a pause and rewind function that works both online and with the Odyssey app. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. 
Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Baseball is back. And so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.